Today I have a very special guest on the first episode of the season 2 of Anshism. Nish is a 24-year-old graduate from Swansea who is now writing a book. So I'm super proud of her. She runs her own blog and she's into food photography which which is very interesting. So yeah, let's get on with the conversation and is it true that you speak four languages, Nish? I speak um English, Portuguese, Spanish and French. So I'm Portuguese by ethnicity. Both my parents are Portuguese. Um all of our family is Portuguese. So when I was younger, um I lived in Switzerland for the first 5 years of my life. So I learned Portuguese inside the home with my parents and I learned French outside the home when I went to nursery and at the bank shops and things like that. Um and then when I came to the UK, I sort of forgot the french and had to learn english because obviously then I started going to school and sort of living my life in a different language um so I forgot french learned english then when i went to secondary school it was compulsory to learn both french and spanish the french came back instantly i couldn't believe it and the spanish obviously knowing portuguese it sort of really helped and so i sort of just kept them all up and now now i speak all four which is pretty helpful pretty handy That's that's awesome and you have done psychology from Swansea how was that experience how was you I know love... being a student at Swansea Yeah I think Swansea is it it has so much to offer it's on the beach so it's in um a place called the Gower which is like a massive kilometers and kilometers stretch of coastlines and i was part of a lot of societies that really made the most of that so for example well, sports clubs the surf sports club constantly by the beach on the sea cliff jumping barbecues on the beach swimming surf lessons the lot so for someone as um outdoorsy and and active as me i really really enjoyed that um yeah no it was really really good the course itself was really fun um i really enjoyed studying actually i know a lot of people think that's a bit sad but i really enjoyed my course i got a lot out of it so i'm glad i did it and i'm glad i went to Swansea to do it well Bolton doesn't have many beaches for sure but <laughs> you've got to move to Swansea you won't regret it especially as a student okay that's 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 where my next move is Swansea yeah, but you know you know you talk about a lot about veganism and I've seen your food blog and you do food styling and food photography what what what's that inspiration where did you know was it just a hobby or how did you know turn into something special and exciting that you're doing in the future. Oh, I certainly actually think it's special. Thank you. Um interesting. So I only really recently started getting into food photography and styling and things like that. I've always always been into photography ever since I was like 12 maybe. My uncle's an architect and he um got the the family like a a camera to play around with and I was sort of the only one that really used it. And so I used to take photos of all sorts of things. Then when I went to uni, I became like a sports photographer. So I used to take photos of um, the Wednesday afternoon sports teams and and events for university, sort of like social events and visits from from people and things like that. It was only I'd say in about second year that they asked me to take um, photos of the food in like our commercial services and outlets, so like the little restaurants and cafes and stuff that we have. That I really started to enjoy it. at which point i had already started piecing together recipes not to write a book because that was never um 
in the picture, strangely, but I started enjoying taking photos of food a lot more. And then it sort of just spiraled, like, I just, not even just the food itself, but I started to eat a lot more with my friends, and especially when the weather gets better in Swansea, you can sit outside, and like I said, you can go and have barbecue on the beach and things like that. And because I love taking photos, it just so happened that a lot of the best moments I had were around food. And so I then had a lot of photos of my friends with food and then scenarios where food was involved. And then I think when I look at a lot of food photographers, they naturally completely center their photos around the food and the food only. Whereas if you look at a lot of the food that I take pictures of, people are a massive part of it. So I much prefer photos that have people in them and you can see that it's more of a collective experience than something that I've much more enjoyed doing rather than just taking a picture of a cake on a table it's trying to capture a lot more than that yeah no yeah definitely you know uh, I've seen your pictures and I'm you know there was a there's a friend who follows you uh, your blog as well you know it's like life's so good in Swansea man how are they so happy I'm like <laughs> that's what he said that's what he said I was like well I don't know I, how how can I tell, but yeah, having people in the pictures definitely makes it better. But talk about your you know veganism journey, or how did you initially you know start? Was it like a spontaneous decision, or you know because a lot of people? I remember my cousin did it, and I was like ten years ago, more than ten years ago, and I was like she, because she worked for Peta at the time, and I was like, what what would you eat? Like I was very young, and I had no idea. And everyone used to you know make fun of that thing because it wasn't a trend now no and i was talking to her recently that now it's a mainstream thing and you know everyone's following it so how what what did you know what was your inspiration when did you think of you know you know going vegan 10 years ago is a very bold decision because they didn't have anywhere near the amount of readily available vegan foods and products and information that we have to hand now so good on them for doing that that's unreal um so i started so i first i didn't go vegan straight away so i started as pescatarian and then i went vegetarian and then i went vegan across the space of about two years i think it was originally i went pescatarian because i was just so bored of eating the things that i was eating and i was looking at it and i was just thinking this is adding absolutely nothing to my diet i'm just eating the same things every day so pretty much overnight i decided that i was going to change something in my diet um so then i went pescatarian so for anyone that doesn't know what that is it means you don't eat meat but you still eat fish and alongside that i then started to reduce um like dairy and i would swap certain dairy products in and out so i stopped drinking um like dairy milk almost automatically and i started drinking oat milk and soy milk and things like that whilst i was still pescatarian um then i went vegetarian and then i went vegan so all throughout university i was vegan so that was three four years um but yeah that's pretty much how it happened i think people need to be really really careful when they decide to go from like full on meat eater to vegan overnight because that can really upset your body in a lot of different ways and it's just not a good way to go about it so if it is a decision that people are looking into making do it step by step take it easy and also the eat the, the, the less hard you are on yourself the more likely you are to be able to make it a long-term sustainable decision because if you jump in it overnight and you start cutting all sorts of things out that's a bad idea that's not gonna last it's not gonna be good for you don't try that 
the funny thing is because i i have been brought up as a vegetarian i'm a vegetarian and i still can't give up milk and stuff i tried oat milk and sorry but I, is it bad to say that it was not very nice it was i was about to say it was shit but <laughs> it was uh, you know someone recommended me i tried al they recommended me oat milk but i forgot so i got almond milk it was even worse so yeah you're right you know you can't make spontaneous decisions overnight and i, I think it's right that you have to you know with your diet which is such an important part of your body well i'm not the fittest person in the room but you know but you have to give it time you can't do it spontaneously otherwise your body would have an effect so i think you're right that people get too hard on themselves when it comes to you know but you know you have been a student and you have been involved with the students union and you know how important money is you know for the students and now they're always short on that and you know you inspire with with you know what what's coming for you with your blog you inspire people to do you inspire people to go vegan do you want to inspire people to go vegan is that a fair question no that's a really interesting question actually i think my main inspiration isn't necessarily to convince everyone to go vegan it's to show people that if you wanted to go vegan or if you wanted to start incorporating a couple of vegan meals a week into your diet or if you just wanted to like dip your toe in a little bit then it doesn't have to be as complicated as you might think it is it can actually be really simplified it can be a really healthy way to live if you follow it properly but i'm i'm not i don't yeah my main aim isn't to make the whole world go vegan also because i completely understand that it would be a lot better to have a large handful of imperfect vegans if you like so people purchase vegan a couple of days a week or eat, start by eating a vegan meal a week or swap in their their dairy milk for oat milk whatever it might be those small little changes it's a lot better in terms of reaching the end goals of veganism in terms of saving the animal the planet and your health all of that sort of stuff than having a really small handful of very strict very perfect don't go anywhere outside of the boundaries that they've set those sorts of vegans it's it's understanding that you don't have to be vegan to eat vegan food you don't yeah. have to um commit to that lifestyle entirely if you don't want to but you also i don't think should rule it out just based on the fact that you don't want to be labeled as a vegan you don't think vegan food is going to taste nice like all of those sorts of things it's just a, a, a case of giving it a go giving it a try and seeing seeing how you get on i think that makes sense because you know if you if if your family members and four people are eating twice maybe vegan food twice a week and they're giving it a try it adds up right you know you yeah. feel like and i feel with what you're saying you want people to have options you want you know you know you whether young people or for everyone you want to have options but you know when it comes to young people specifically that was my question initially but then i drifted away like i usually do uh, isn't vegan food more expensive for students okay so i think the best place to start off answering this question is to understand that there are two different ways that you can follow veganism essentially there's a lot of people that go down the um 
heavily plant-based sort of fruit and veg, cook meals from scratch sort of thing. And there's a lot of people that follow the, um, they incorporate a lot of like processed meats, like meatless meats and, and things like that in their diet, which it's good that we have those products to hand nowadays, but I wouldn't personally recommend eating them as you would with the frequency if you were on like a, a natural meat diet, if you like. Because at the end of the day, they are still processed. They do lose a lot of their nutritional value in doing so, even if they originally started off all as, as plants and plant-based ingredients. Um, if you go down the cooking meals from scratch, simple veg, fruits, things like that, you will be astounded as to how much money you might save because meat, things like meat and cheese and dairy are so expensive and you don't realize that until you cut it out. Um, you Again, things like dairy-free cheeses can also be quite expensive. Meat products like meatless meat burgers and things like that can also be quite expensive. Um, I think it's just a question of finding that balance between not depriving yourself entirely of things that you might want and feel that you need. Um, but actually, interesting point, before I hopped on this call, I had a quick look on um, a supermarket website comparing the prices of um, chickens. So for example, 300 grams of chicken breast um, came up as £1.80. 300 pounds or 300 grams of uh, sort of meatless chicken pieces came up as one pound 75 so the price difference isn't massive one is five pence cheaper so if again if you wanted to keep on eating that sort of stuff you absolutely could and you could afford it if you were going to be spending that money on meat-based products anyway so i don't think the price is too much of an issue but i do think people need to be wary of getting too carried away with eating all of these meatless meats and and things like that but yeah I overall think, it doesn't have to be more expensive i think i was doing well with the meatless meat but thank you no they are delicious and they're great for people that are quite scared of getting into veganism because they don't want to have to give up certain things and they're used to eating certain foods and they enjoy making that which is completely reasonable i 100 percent understand but i think just yeah. because of branded and labeled as vegan that doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy if you incorporate that yeah that and makes sense yeah because if i'm having those fried sausages the vegetarian one that wouldn't really help but you know let's talk about the most exciting part of the chat your book your yeah. book come on like i oh, saw no. it and i was like i saw i saw it on and i was so happy oh, i was so happy that you know, a friend's doing something <laughs> worthy. Like, it's just, I'm so happy. I, I, I just don't know. I, I, and I was like, I need to bring her to Anshism to talk about this, no matter how many people listen to it or not listen to it. But I want to know more about it. And I want to know, is grandmom, your cute grandma, the inspiration behind your recipes? Because I saw when you, you up, up, uploaded some stories and I saw her, she's reminded me of my grandmom because grandmoms in the kitchen I know of course they're not is it correct to say it or is it not but you know you, you have that picture I have that picture of my grandmom in the kitchen of course and it's, it's just cute it was very cute so is grandmom the inspiration for certain food recipes and 
personally, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say that our grandmas are in the kitchen because a lot of them were born and raised in a generation that that was just what they did. That's what we've all seen them doing growing up. Um, and so my grandma, obviously both my grandmas are Portuguese, of Portuguese origin. Ooh. Portuguese cuisine is very, very meat heavy, fish heavy, lots of dairy, and it's not necessarily an issue because obviously the Mediterranean diet has a reputation for being very healthy. But that's because everything is home cooked. Everything is made from scratch. You have, you buy your bread from the bakery, your afternoon tea treats from the practice. You bake your own bread. Yeah, they honestly, they like, and you're never far from anywhere that makes things fresh, which is why they are, are so healthy. When it comes to recipes with my grandma particularly, I don't mean to shatter your dreams. She's not necessarily an inspiration for my recipes. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> because she doesn't know anything about veganism, the vegetables and sort of fruits. Fruit she's great with. Vegetables, vegetables are a side in Portugal. They are salads, they are boring salads, and that is it. So when it comes to that, my grandma isn't necessarily a, an inspiration for recipes per se, but she very much is an inspiration for cooking habits and eating habits. So she runs her life by making something different every day, but in small amounts so that she doesn't have to eat leftovers. She doesn't have to eat the same thing twice in a week or whatever it might be. Um, she's very simple in her cooking. She makes a lot of she makes like 10 different dishes using the same three ingredients. It's unbelievable. And that's something that I've learned a lot being here with her learning is that you can make so many different variations, taste really different just by altering the quantities and ratios of certain things and ingredients, for example, in a sauce. Like a lot of sauces in Portugal are just made with um, white wine, olive oil and tomato sauce. If you vary those three things in to, to certain degrees, you get completely different sources every time and then you can mix and match that with, well, she does it with loads of meats, I've started doing it with loads of different kinds of vegetables and it's just changed the game. So she's not necessarily an inspiration for recipes, but in terms of cooking habits and sitting down to eat, she sits down to eat at the exact same time every single day. Um, there's always fresh bread on the table. Every single meal is structured. And this is not just specific to my grandma, but in Portugal generally, you start off every lunch and sometimes dinner, but normally lunch, you have soup to start off with, uh, then a main, then fruit and a dessert. And you know, a lot of people drink coffee after lunch and things like that, but everything is structured by soup, main, fruit. Like that is how they put together their meals, which also then just means that you're eating a lot more variety of different things. Like she, my grandma and my granddad sit down, after lunch when they're eating their fruit, they'll both pick up a different fruit and then they'll share it with each other. So my grandma will cut open half a peach and she'll give him some of it. And from his orange, he shares some with her. And then they're just swapping bits of fruit around and they've each had like five portions of fruit just by sharing it. So yeah, eating habits are also very, very important when it comes to food. It's not just the food itself, but how you eat it. 110%, you know, uh, two things. First of all, I had to mention your grandma because she's so cute. And I remember you were making her say English words, so that was very funny. Oh, she loves it, yeah. And second of all, you know, I have an idea 
I don't know if it's I I was with a French family. Um I have a very close So I, uh, it's in Grenoble, a village in Lyon. So and I I was just looking, you know, they lived at the countryside, they had their own farm and stuff and I do know how the family sits together and you know yeah, the habits are very different from Indians definitely because how yeah. It's a bit Indian and how do you what's like a family meal time look like for family meal time it's just <laughs> yeah there's a lot of variety there is a lot of variety but you know it can be uh, how do we say it can be the same same uh, my mom won't agree to this one but i i hope she doesn't listen to this episode but it's quite the same yeah. and i need to learn cooking as well so no i'm not shaming my mom Although... india has the i think i read this once that india has the highest percentage of vegetarians Yeah because because they respect uh, a lot of people yeah they have love and respect for animals so yeah it's a lot of vegetarians because i think people quite a lot of people follow hinduism there so yeah even in in that they talk about respecting animals not eating animals or and i i can understand the sentiments but uh, yeah that was the reason I think why I was brought up to be a vegetarian but I think yeah you love animals anyways so yeah but talk, tell us about nourish with nish like you know the names got a ring to it and it seems like it is very exciting to see a friend do something great and you know you're talking about food recipes food habits and you know just looking at you know certain pictures and I'm really excited to, for it. What was what? How how did you start? Just tell us more about it. So this whole thing began because when I first went uh, pescatarian and vegetarian, I had no idea what to eat. I had no idea what to cook. I didn't know what my life was going to look like in terms of food. So I took to the internet and I had a look at loads of different recipes that appealed to me and sort of flavors that I liked to eat, the foods that I already liked to eat. And I basically compiled them into uh, just a notebook that my mum had bought me for like schoolwork. It was just blank lined inside. I filled it with recipes that I'd seen online. And then the more I started to make them, the more I started to adjust them to my own personal um, tastes. I started making up my own recipes from just combining absolutely random stuff and you know culinary experiments in the kitchen. Um, and so over the years, I built up. a collection of recipes that I knew how to make that I really really enjoyed that other people liked to eat when I was with them. And when I went to uni, I had a lot of friends who had started thinking about going vegetarian, weren't quite sure where to start, didn't know really how to go about it. And so I wrote up um just a really simple like one page guide as to how to transition to going vegan. best practices a couple of things to watch out for that I could just send to people when they asked because it was easier than sort of having to sit down and explain it to to every person so I used to just send that to people that used to ask and then in my third year I had basically started compiling all these recipes I bulked up the guide to go vegan i'd written a couple of extra little things because i'd got in my head that i was like this could like one day in like 10 15 years like it could be a book if i if i i feel like i could 
publish something. I don't really know how this works, but I've got the information to hand. I might do something with it. So I just kept it all very organized in a, in a Word document. And then that summer, so when I graduated, that summer, I literally just went online again, scoured the internet, found some publishers online that um, took online submissions of manuscripts for books. And I just sent it off on an absolute whim to like five different publishers, not even with the idea of wanting to publish a book. This this manuscript that I sent off was not ready to be a book at any point. And I just sent it off in the hope that they might give me, in the rejection, would give me some sort of feedback, feedback. as to what it would need to later on down the line be a book. Um, so that was in about August, the year I graduated. In on, literally on my birthday, I'm in the office because I was obviously a sabbatical officer like like yourself. I was in the office with the girls and me and the sports officer Fion. It was our birthdays a day apart, so that day we'd had a little like office tea party, sat around the table, like cake and all sorts. And my mum calls me. She doesn't normally call me when I'm at work. She called me and I answered. And she's like, "Oh, there's a really like sophisticated looking envelope here. It's got your name on it. It's got like a whack." seal stamp on the back and everything do you want me to open it and I was like yeah like who is like this is some very bougie junk mail I don't know what's going on here anyway she opened it and it was like a publishing contract from one of the I'd completely forgotten about this at this point it was a publishing contract from the, one of the publishers that I'd sent off my manuscript to basically saying yeah they want to publish it my drawer was on the floor in the office, all of the girls were freaking out. I was freaking out. I didn't really know what was going on. So that's how I came to publish it. That was, um, it'll be two years in October. So it's about a year and a half now since then. Um, so I've known for quite a while that this was going on. So I've basically just spent this past couple of years. It takes ages to, to edit a book and publish a book. It really, I wasn't expecting it to take this long, which is, you know, my fault because that's an expectation issue on my end, but nevertheless, it's taken a while. I'm so glad it's finally here. Um, the book essentially is split into two sections. So the first uh, 20 odd, 30 odd pages are all about um, how to transition to going vegan, a couple of top tips, um, student life tips. So budgeting, time management, studying, all of those sorts of little things. Um, what else is in there? Vegan myths debunked. I've written a page on um, common questions that people have for vegans. There's a little laundry guide to how to read like the little symbols in your clothes, um, like a kitchen packing list. What else is there? Um, yeah, it's just packed with like things that you might need to know going vegan. Anything that I learnt in the transition, I've then written and, and put it in the first half of the book. The second half of the book is um, all food recipes. So there's 67 recipes split between breakfasts, lunch, dinner, soups, sides, smoothies and desserts. So basically anything you can think of, there is going to be something in there that you'll like, you'll enjoy. I'm on the autographed copy. Yeah. I'm on the autographed copy. Absolutely. No, but, you know, it's just so exciting to just see, you know, when things happen without expectations and like, I, you know, I, I have never had the feeling of a publisher sending me a contract, but I'll tell you when I do, but. Let me know. Uh, you could definitely also write a book. Honestly, if there's one thing this has taught me, 
is that you don't have to be anyone special or famous known none of that to write a book you just have to keep it organized have the information and honestly at this point you don't even have to want to publish a book because i didn't think of publishing a book even i know it's silly of me saying this but when i sent it off i didn't think i was going to publish a book I never how did you resist for two years like if i if i do something like a book i would just like spam the soup how did you resist i had to tell <laughs> So obviously my family knew, but my extended family didn't know until about the last two months, I'd say, for the vast majority that they didn't know. So my parents knew, my brother knew. The girls in the office knew, obviously, because they were there when I got the contract. Um, and then I told my closest friends at university, just because throughout the year I was, you know, going back and forth with publishers. I had to start cooking a lot more to be able to take photos of all of the food, which meant I needed people to eat because I wasn't going to eat everything by myself. Um, my final year house were absolutely amazing in the whole thing with helping me with photos. They had a big love for cooking just as much as I did. So we were constantly all in the kitchen. Our best memories were in the kitchen. Um, yeah, it's just it's just been wild. It's just been absolutely wild. It's and I'm I'm not awful with secrets, but when with personal achievements, normally I am one to sort of like shout about it to my friends. <laughs> this was something that I was so desperate to just keep very, very quiet because I didn't really expect it to, like even though they'd got a contract, I'd signed a contract, I knew it was going to happen. Something in my mind was just like, I don't believe this is going to happen until it's actually happened, you know? What if, what if they say no in the end, they're like, nah. At this, they're yeah, there's a month to go. And at this point they're just like, nah, we're going to pull out. <sighs> but no, you have done really well for yourself and you know, but you know you're debunking the myths about veganism you're talking you know but people talk about as i think i had questions but you have answered most of them about vegan food being boring but you have got 67 odd recipes so that has answered that but you know i think people naturally tend to think this is this is something i realized when i first went vegan and i spoke to a lot of people that weren't and didn't really know what it meant is that when you ask a person that's not vegan what they think vegan food is they most likely imagine it as their own diet minus the meat which yeah. is left with side vegetables salads random bits of fruit that you don't really want to be eating it's not a complete picture of what vegan food is actually like Firstly, for everything you take out in a vegan diet, so say you take out meat, you then have to replace it with something else. So you're never, it's not a question of cutting things out, it's a question of substitution. So everything you take out, you have to substitute for something just as appropriate in terms of its protein content, calcium content, and there are perfectly adequate substitutions nowadays. But it's having the creativity to know how to build a diet because you're not eating proteins in isolation like you do in a meat diet. When you eat protein as an eater you'll eat a piece of chicken a piece of steak whatever it might be that essentially is protein you're eating protein in isolation with a couple of side vegetables in a vegan diet you eat loads of different sources of protein because with um i don't want to get too deep into it but with meats obviously they are they tend to be termed complete sources of protein and a lot of plant-based sources of protein are incomplete sources of protein there are a couple that are complete so for example um soy so things like tofu 
and quinoa are termed complete plant-based proteins but the vast majority of them aren't and so you need to eat them in combination with each other for your body to be able to make the proteins that you need which is why we mix and match protein like there's no tomorrow we love it we 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 get enough of it we are thriving out here protein isn't an issue honestly as a vegan you're more likely to to not have things like b12 vitamins sort of the like smaller things that your body still needs to absolutely function well but if you don't know where to get them from you might struggle to to pull that through um but that's why we have your book exactly it's all explained in the book hopefully i didn't go too much into it because yeah people get bored reading things but if people don't really know where to begin it's a good idea to start by following not necessarily food bloggers but people that make food that you like the look of and that you could see yourself making whether it's simple you like you can already cook and you like things that are a bit more complicated whatever it might be there is lo- there are loads of different people that make food out there and finding one that you can relate to, relate to. Help you yeah makes a big difference because then their brains will do all the creativity for you they tell you how to put meals together they can give you inspiration for things and then when you get to the kitchen with vegan food it's so easy to just chuck a load of vegetables together add a sauce bake it in the oven whatever it might be you know stuff it into a potato on a mushroom whatever the opportunities are endless i i you know i see how passionately you talk about food i wish i could i could i love food but not when it comes to cooking but i think i might have to change my ways because when the pandemic come when, when the pandemic came i had to move on from just knowing how to make pasta you know yeah. i have had a difficult time you made it you're here yeah i i survived i survived but yeah that's the thing right uh but don't you think it requires a lot of time for making food like i feel it requires a lot of time and dedication and then you know certain students have when they go to the you know student halls and they come from back from the job that too tired to do this but you know just this we can keep off the record as well if you want but don't you think it's just a bit tiring and time consuming okay so obviously like i said earlier you can either choose to go down the like pre-prepared vegan meatless things route or the make everything from scratch at home sort of route There are some for example in my recipe book most recipes are designed to be made quite quickly but some aren't naturally things like lasagna lasagna you've got to cook the vegetables beforehand you've got to make the pasta layers put it all in the oven it might take you an hour and a half to make the whole thing where that then saves you time later on it's because you've made such a big batch of it you can freeze it you can eat it later on in the week you can be the one to make dinner in your house one night and have someone else make dinner the next night whatever it might be i think i can understand why people have the opinion that vegan food takes longer to make because you do cook a lot from scratch you do no, the fu- the funny thing is someone who doesn't cook at all is asking questions about cooking <laughs> who, who just wants to find reasons not to cook <laughs> but this is what is really important to get nourished with nish that it's not just the food that's important it's not just 
what you're eating, it's how you make it and, and your approach to things like cooking. There's loads of people that don't like cooking and don't like eating, really, but they probably don't like eating because they don't enjoy cooking and therefore they're making food that isn't, um, like, not, it doesn't even have to be amazing because not everything you eat is, you know, restaurant quality food. But it's good enough. And as a student, I feel like if it's good enough and it's quick enough, it's just a question of learning and getting into the habit of making certain things. The same way you've been brought up to cook the things that you cook now, obviously it's sort of subconscious and second nature. I've not been brought up to cook anything. <laughs> Unfortunately, my parents spoiled me too much. But the and same then sent me to a different country. <laughs> Survive. Imagine, yeah, that's a, that is a big shock in all fairness. It's, it is very different. Survive with big beans and toast. Beans and toast are so good though. Oh, you can spice okay. beans on toast in a lot of different ways. Well, I had a lot of time in lockdown and I did try things. And I am not meant to be a cook. I have learned that. <laughs> not even for myself. Just got to find some simple recipes and things that you like to cook. I will. Pasta. Yeah. I know how to boil an egg. I learned how to boil egg. You know, people actually underestimate it. It's quite hard to get the perfect boiled egg. Yeah, I, I got an egg boiler. and The little timer that you put in the pan. Is it the <laughs> yeah. Classic. Yeah. See, again, you've literally you found a problem, you found a solution. You know you couldn't really boil an egg? You got there. You found a way to make it happen. It's the same thing you know, with me. Why I'm proud of you is because even though I'm asking silly questions, you have absolutely answered it with such professionalism about, you know, you're promoting a book. It's like a proper promotion and you're promoting, yeah, we have recipes that take time and we have recipes that don't take time. So. Yeah, well, I want to be as honest and transparent as possible because then, I don't know, it's just such a better way to be about it. I'm, I completely understand, oh, I, not, not understand, I can recognise that not every single recipe in my book is you're gonna make it in 10 minutes, bish, bash, bosh, done. It's not. But people also need to be receptive to the fact that investing time in cooking food is one of the best things that you can do for yourself, especially as a student, because food regulates your mood, it impacts the way you sleep, it gives you or not the energy to go about your day and study. People underestimate how much energy their body actually uses when they're studying and working. It's unbelievable your brain uses like 25% of all of your body's energy, which is unbelievable because it doesn't take up 25% of your body. So how is that possible? It's, it's unbelievable. So yeah, people... Yes, yes, yes doctor. Yes, doctor. Nish. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Yeah. You should be given an honorary doctorate once your veganism book, you get famous and all. Swansea would, you know, get you this I wish. doctor. You will, you will get there. You know, you never thought of the book. And you literally, you know, of course, you no doubt about your talent or willingness to do what you are doing. But, you know, you did it. You made it. There you was have a talent. We're here. We started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah. We started from Bolton. I'm still in Bolton. So, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Hush, hush. But truth. No, but, you know, I've... But thank you for coming to Anshism. Obrigado. Oh, thank you. No, obrigado. Ew. Thank you. No, true. And, uh, and I'll say I'll say thank you to you in all the languages. And merci beaucoup. Oh, gracias. Muchas gracias. Merci. And obrigado. And thank you, of course. <laughs>
See, I also know four languages. Yeah, no, no, thank you. This has been really, really lovely. I, this is the first opportunity I've got to speak about it. Add the role of the promotions. For anyone that's interested in buying this book, it comes out on the 30th of July. I'm unsure as to where. I'm still awaiting further information from my publishers. So watch this space. Best thing to do is follow my food Instagram, which is at Nourish with Nish, where I'm going to be posting all of the information as soon as I get it about my book. But yes, 30th of July, save the date. It's probably coming to a Waterstones near you, I hope.